Last week we talked about how um, God is trying to build in this church a new priesthood, a new commission, a new tabernacle. And we talked about that last week. You can go and listen to it later. And So now we want to flesh it out because when we talk about um, changes God wants to bring, it can. Uh, some of us can wonder what it might mean and how it might look. So we'll start fleshing it out. So if you go to Genesis twenty six twenty two, Genesis twenty six twenty two, um, this is something uh, that will happen with the new commission that we spoke about last week. We said that God had built a prototype, has brought Acts twenty nine to a place where God is saying. Great, job done well. I've done what I need to. Have a last look at your family photo. From here on, we will look different. So we want to check out what this look different means. And so we're trying to flesh it out. If you haven't heard what we taught last week, go listen to it because it'll give you a, a point of reference. When you look at Genesis twenty six twenty two, 22, it says Isaac moved on from there and dug another well and no one quarreled over it. He named it Rehoboth, saying, Now the Lord has given us room, and we will flourish in this land. So, to flesh out what God means when he says, All right, now see what change looks like, I'd suggest to you that one of the things that God will do is in Vancouver, he'll give us room in this land. And we will flourish in it, meaning it won't be just a, uh, okay, you got space here. We'll flourish in it. We'll flourish in it. So that kind of gives us an inkling of what it'll look like. Because in Vancouver, we haven't had much room. We're a super small church. Nobody knows us. Um, Haven't done much in Vancouver. May have done tremendous amounts of work in different parts of the world. But God is saying, hey, one of the changes that will happen is I'll give you guys room in uh, this land. And so in Genesis 26, 22, Isaac moved from there and dug another well, and no one quarreled over it. He named it Rehoboth, saying, Now the Lord has given us room, and we will flourish in this land. So that is one of the things I'm expecting. I was asking God, Hey, Father, will you back this up when I teach it? Uh, and his response was, but I'm the one who came up with the teaching, so why won't I back it up? So uh, he said, it's a redundant prayer. If I'm, ask, if I'm the one who's brought this teaching up and I want you to teach it and I want the people to hear it, why are you praying that I back it up? I will back it up, otherwise I wouldn't say it. So I'm trusting that uh, without much effort, these things will begin to happen. So how will he work this out? How will he work this out? How will he work this giving us room in this land and causing us to flourish. How will he work it out? And um, this was what kind of took me by surprise. He'll work it out through an unprecedented display of his mercy, which is not the answer that I was expecting. He'll, he'll work it out through an unprecedented display, meaning unprecedented basically means like never before in Vancouver. Uh, I know, man, when I, sometimes when you say these things, you, know, you, you scratch your head thinking, really? Us? Yeah, but what can you do if God is like that? So he, 
he will work this out in this land through an unprecedented display of mercy so that room is created for us in this land. Uh, guys, when it comes to mercy, you must realize, and we don't realize this very often because some of us have been Christians for so long that we feel entitled, um, sal- we feel salvation entitled. But really, when you think of it, you and I deserve nothing. Listen to this, eh? You deserve nothing but trouble, torment, sickness, death, and hell. You deserve nothing else. Because we've been Christians for very long, when God doesn't show up a little, we get very uh, upset with him. It's like, you're not doing your job. Like, where were you? What about your promises? How come you didn't turn up? What a failure you're turning out to be. Untrustable. These are the responses from seasoned Christians or Christians who've been born again for a while because it's like, show up, you got to keep your promise. But what we don't realize is that, is that you really deserve nothing. This is what you deserve. You deserve torment, you deserve no protection, you deserve sickness, you deserve hell, and you deserve death. Unless we think of that, we will not grasp mercy. Trouble, torment, sickness, death, and hell is actually what you and I deserve, just based on um, the sinful lives we've led right from when we were children, right from when we had the ability to judge right and wrong, just based on the sinful lives we've led. And to understand mercy, you have to understand that he's ridiculously holy, so holy that even though he's not surrounded by gases that are bursting into flames, he's so holy that the Bible says he lives in unapproachable light. So it's a purity that you and I cannot imagine. It is unapproachable. You can't approach the light that he is. And his light is not because he's surrounded himself with light. He's light because it's blazingly pure. So you've got to think of his holiness and then you've got to think of sin. And you've got to realize that sin must be paid for. And it's usually paid for with trouble, torment, sickness, death and hell. And you do not deserve anything else. When was the last time you thought like that? We don't. And instead of that now, he lavishes us with unceasing mercy. Instead of that, he lavishes us with unceasing mercy. And in that mercy, now you get words like... In that mercy, you get words like forgiveness, joy, protection, comfort, Life, healing, we need to enjoy this. Life, healing, and perhaps my favorite thing, presence. This is what mercy looks like. So instead of trouble, torment, sickness, death, hell, which I actually deserve. Instead of that, he lavishes me. He lavishes me with forgiveness, joy, protection, comfort, life, healing, but most of all, presence. You know, it's odd. We start with the other things 
first as things that must be obtained. You would be surprised how if you started with presence, the other things would come naturally. As believers, we go hunting after, in my trouble, comfort me, in my sin, forgive me, in my decay, give me life, in my insecurity, give me protection, in my sorrow, give me joy, in my sickness, give me healing. And when it doesn't turn up, we do get upset. But the thing is, what if you went for the one biggest thing that comes with mercy, which is presence? With presence comes everything else. It's the trick, man. But please understand that if I don't see what I should deserve, I will not value mercy. If I don't see what I should deserve, I will not value mercy. And by the way, mercy was not this remote act. Gosh, man. Mercy was not a remote act of forgiveness. Mercy was not a remote act of forgiveness. Mercy was God forging a relationship of loyal, kind love that he would sustain even when I resisted. Mercy is not some remote forgiveness that he offers. Mercy is God forging a relationship that is loyal, that is loving, that is kind. That is loyal, that is loving, that is kind. That is consistent, that is continuous. That he sustains even when I resist it. Hey, look at yourself right now and look at me right now. You've got sin in your life and I've got sin in my life. It is a sin that deserves judgment. He's already paid the price, but despite him paying the price, we still sin. It is sin that deserves judgment. Instead, he's forged a relationship which is loving, which is kind, which is loyal, and he sustains it out of sheer mercy, hesed, favor, kindness. He sustains it even if you and I resist it. And he does it consistently, continuously, loyally, without budging. And it is present upon your head right now. It was new this morning, Lamentations 3, 22 to 24. His mercies are new every morning. The mercy, we don't realize that, that we don't have a halo. We have, a, we, have, we have mercy upon our heads. It displaces torment, sickness, death, hell, trouble. And it replaces it with presence, joy, forgiveness, comfort, protection, life, healing. What bothers me about this whole thing is this next line. The one who showed mercy had to die for me to receive it. That is what bothers me. That the one who shows mercy had to die for me to receive it. The one who shows mercy, the one who has chosen to show mercy is the one who has to die for me to receive it. 
which then brings in another aspect. If he died so that I can have it, then I do have it, and I must appropriate it by faith. And if my faith ain't where it is, then I will rise up tomorrow and begin to work on it. But I will not settle for, ah, perhaps he's not delivering it. Ah, perhaps he has a reason for holding it back. This is someone who did not hold back his life. And therefore in Romans 8 it says, if he who did not hold himself back from giving his life, why will he hold anything else back? The one who shows mercy had to die for me to receive it. And if there was one person in the universe who did not deserve to die, it was him. One should be tremblingly happy as one listens to this. Tremblingly happy. Go sit on the keys. Yeah, that's fine. First Peter 3.18. First Peter 3.18. Can someone give me a Bible? I don't think I brought mine. It's terrible to say that as a pastor. First Peter three eighteen. First Peter three eighteen. Where's three eighteen? Yeah. For Christ died for sins once and for all, the righteous for the unrighteous, to bring you to God. He was put to death in the body and made alive by the Spirit. Through him, whom, uh, okay, that's, yeah. For Christ died for sins once for and for all, the righteous for the unrighteous, to bring you to God. Some versions say, so that he could show us mercy. Depending on the version, I was hoping it would be the other version that I took it from. Anyways, the point is this. The one who showed mercy had to die for me to receive it, and he did not deserve to die. So as we sing these three songs, I just want you to let the Holy Spirit begin to work in you the understanding of this beautiful thing called mercy that God has given us. Eh? Let him do his work in our lives as we sing these songs. I'll stand with arms high and heart abandoned in awe of the one who gave it all. I'll stand, my soul, Lord, to you surrendered. All I am is yours. Father, you want to catch a glimpse of what mercy looks like? Sometimes we forget what we actually deserve. Salvation has made us self-entitled. We forget what we actually deserve. We forget that the one who showed mercy had to die so that I could receive what I presently have. That I have presence, that I have life, that I have protection, that I have comfort, that I have joy, that I have the forgiveness of sins. And I'm grateful, oh God, we are grateful. We once again look at mercy, Father. And I'll stand with arms high and heart abandoned in awe of the one who gave it all. I'll stand, my soul, Lord, to you surrendered all I am 
is yours. I'll stand. I'll stand with arms high and heart abandoned in awe of the one who gave it all. I'll stand, my soul, Lord, to you surrendered all I am is yours. I trade these ashes in for beauty. I wear forgiveness like a crown. I come to kiss the feet of mercy. And I lay my burdens down at the foot of the cross. I trade these ashes. I trade these ashes in for beauty. I wear forgiveness like a crown. Thank you, Jesus, for your mercy. I come to kiss the feet of mercy. I lay every burden down at the foot of the cross. And once again, I look upon the cross where you died. I'm humbled by your mercy and I'm broken inside. Once again I thank you. Once again I pour out my life. Once again. And once again I look upon the cross where you died. I'm humbled by your mercy and I'm broken inside. Once again I thank you, once again I pour out my life. Thank you for the cross, thank you for the cross, thank you for the cross, my friend. Thank you for the cross, thank you for the cross. Thank you for the cross, my friend. We just worship you, Lord. We thank you for the exchange, Abba. What I deserve is not what I get. I don't get trouble. I don't get torment. I don't get sickness and death and hell. I get you. I get you and I thank you for your mercy. I thank you for your mercy over my head. I thank you for the mercy that you have over each head here. It's loyal, it's loving, it's kind, it's merciful. We kiss your feet, Jesus. We kiss your feet. Like that woman with the alabaster flask. We kiss your feet. We worship you, we adore you, oh merciful God. You've always been like this. You said it to Moses in Exodus 33. I'm gracious and compassionate and full of mercy. You've always been like this, oh merciful God. We open our mouths and we worship you, oh God. We worship you, Jesus. We recognize your mercy. We recognize your mercy. And most of all, we thank you for your presence that comes with your mercy. Presence that comes with your mercy. We receive it, O oh God. We receive it. We bless you, O oh God. We bless you, Father.
seated, guys. Guys, mercy always implies forgiveness for the guilt that we may carry. So mercy always implies forgiveness for the guilty and compassion for the helpless. So it's got these two aspects. It's forgiveness for the guilty, uh, for the guilty, and uh, compassion for the helpless or desperate. Compassion for the helpless or the desperate. These are two aspects of mercy that will always be there. Eh? Um, remember, God is saying he'll give us room in this land through an unprecedented display of mercy. And uh, so that's why we're trying to figure out what does this look like, oh God? And one of the things that God wants to do through us is pour out this idea of forgiveness that takes away guilt and uh, compassion for the helpless. Forgiveness that takes away guilt and compassion for the helpless. And like I was just saying, this is not a new thing with God. If you go to ex, uh, Exodus thirty-three nineteen, Exodus thirty-three nineteen, He's always been like this. He didn't change after Malachi four six. Exodus thirty-three nineteen. Exodus thirty-three nineteen. And it says, and the Lord, and the beautiful thing is, Moses is asking that he see God's glory, and God says, I'll show you my goodness. And then it's almost as if God is defining what his goodness looks like. Exodus 33, and he says, uh, let's start at verse uh, uh, 17. And the Lord said to Moses, I'll do the very thing you have asked, because I am pleased with you and I know you by name. Then Moses said, now show me your glory. And the Lord said, I'll cause all my goodness to pass in front of you and I'll proclaim my name, the Lord, in your presence. I will have mercy on who I will have mercy and I will have compassion on who I will have compassion. But he said, you cannot see my face for no one may see me and live. Again, it's that whole idea of unapproachable light that he still dwells in, that we still can't approach till we have brand new bodies. Eh? One of the reasons we will have brand new bodies is so that we can live with him forever because these bodies will not be able to handle his brilliance. Not his brilliance, his blazing purity these bodies will not be able to handle. His brilliance your eyes may not be able to handle. His purity your bodies will not be able to handle. We will need new bodies to handle him. And so in Exodus 33 verse 19, it's saying that, that God says, I'll show you my goodness. And then he begins to uh, say, listen, this is what my goodness looks like. I'll declare my name. And then he begins to define his name. He says, I am he who is merciful. I show mercy to who I want to show mercy. And I'm compassionate. So this is an old habit of God. It's not a new habit. In Lamentations 3, 22 to 24, which I just talked about a little while ago, it says that, his mercy and his steadfast love never cease. So there is an inexhaustible supply of it. We, I don't think, take advantage of it enough. And we don't, yeah, I don't think I do. Uh, and then he goes on to say in Lamentations 3, verse 22 to 24, that his mercies are new every morning. It's like manna. It's like manna. I prefer getting my mercies before I sleep so that I can wake up and go straight into the day. Because I'm not a morning person. By the time I wake up, half the day is done. No, it's not that bad nowadays. Uh, but the point is, there's mercy that is new every morning. Mercies that are new. And what is... Uh, wh so, Jacob, what do you mean there's m new mercies every morning? How does that work? The Bible says in Matthew 6, 38 or 39, that enough is the trouble for each day. Each day brings its own. 
encounters and troubles. And here is God saying, I got new, um, by new he, he means both in form and in content and in quantity, I got new presence, new life, new healing, new joy, new comfort, new protection for you this day. Go out, collect manna, bring it home, it will be sufficient for today. In the manna that you collect will be enough to sustain you for today. Tomorrow has evil for its own. Tomorrow, I'll give you more. Just think of that, eh? The advantage we don't take of God sometimes and the advantage we do take of him sometimes. Any questions before we go on? They're new every morning. Go to Psalm 107. Psalm 107. It's quite a psalm. It talks about different situations that God deals with. Psalm 107. Let's look at that. Psalm 107. And I'm reading from the message. Um, let's read from let's read from verse sixteen to twenty one. I love the way the message words it. Uh, Psalm one zero seven sixteen to twenty one. The whole psalm is full of situations like this, but here's 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 how it goes. Um, he shattered the heavy jailhouse doors. He snapped the prison bars like matchsticks. Some of, uh, uh, sorry, starting at 17. Some of you were sick because you'd lived a bad life, your body's feeling the effects of your sin. You couldn't stand the sight of food. So miserable, you thought you'd be better off dead. Then you called out to God in your desperate condition. He got you out in the nick of time. He spoke the word that healed you that pulled you back from the brink of death. I love this next line. So thank God for his marvelous, marvelous love, for his miracle mercy to the children he loves. Thank God for his marvelous love and the miracle mercy to the children he loves. And then he goes on. Offer thanksgiving sacrifices. Tell the world, world what he's done. Sing it out. Some of you set sail in big ships. You put to sea to do business in faraway ports. Out at sea you saw God in action. Saw his breathtaking waves with the oceans. With a word he called up the wind and ocean storm. Towering waves. You shot high in the sky. Then the bottom dropped out. Your hearts were stuck in your throats. You were spun like a top. You reeled like a drunk. You didn't know which end was up. Then you called out to God in your desperate condition. He got you out in the nick of time. He quieted the wind down to a whisper. Put a muzzle on all the big waves. And you were so glad when the storm died and he led you to safety. So, thank God for his marvelous love, for his miracle mercy to the children he loves. Verse uh, 4. Some of you wandered for years in the desert, looking but not finding a good place to live. Half-starved and parched with thirst, staggering and stumbling on the brink of exhaustion. Then in your desperate condition, you called out to God. He got you out in the nick of time. He put your foot, feet on a wonderful road that took you straight to a good place to live. So... Thank God for his marvelous love, for his miracle mercy to the children he loves. There is this idea of miracle mercy, guys. And the more we uh, uh, go down this road, you'll see why God is taking us down this road. I think he's brilliant. So here's something you need to understand. You exist to display... You exist to display the splendor of God's mercy, the splendor... Of God's mercy. You display 
uh, you exist to display the splendor of God's mercy in Christ. You exist to display the splendor of God's mercy in Christ. I exist to display the splendor of God's mercy, mercy in Christ. Go to Romans 15, Romans 15, verse 9. Let's see if it says that. Romans 15, verse 9. Romans 15, verse 9. Romans 15, verse 9. Yeah, for I tell you that Christ, uh, I'm reading verse 9 in isolation, so that the Gentiles may glorify God for his mercy, as it is written, therefore I will praise you among the Gentiles, I'll sing hymns to your name. The point being this, guys, that the world needs to see the mercy of God, and God is saying, I'll create room for you in this land, and he says, I'll use mercy to do it, and don't worry, we'll get there, we won't leave this incomplete. You exist to display the splendor of God's mercy in Christ to the Gentiles. Um, I'm just using Gentiles as a word, as in to the world. You exist to display God's mercy in Christ to the world. You exist to display God's mercy in Christ to the world. One last time. You exist to display God's mercy in Christ to the world. Just remember that, eh? And so here's a statement I'm making, that the Lord, will gi- the Lord will give us room in this land. The Lord will give us room in this land. By pouring out His mercy through us seated here right now. It's not done yet. There's more coming. It's step by step. So here's the next statement. His dominant way Ah, a beautiful red. His dominant way of pouring out mercy in this land through you will be through physical healing we never equate healing with mercy but we don't realize how much healing is a part of mercy I want to say something in advance I mean I can't build this up and wait till it builds up guys before we leave here today we're going to ask God that father since you are saying this could you empower and enable everybody sitting here to be able to go out and lay hands on people throughout Vancouver and where people start getting healed it's going to be a sheer work of God it won't be mechanisms, it won't be some kind of, uh, we've got to learn this. You will find that God will, 
and this I'm prophesying very, very hum, very easily. God will create encounters now for the next many, many months, where anything that moves, that has a sickness that you lay your hands on, will start getting healed. God will create room in this land for us by just causing His mercy to be poured out in this land through us, through people getting physically healed all over the place. It'll just happen like wildfire. And so you may say, what about my body? What about my sickness? This is going to sound really rude and I don't mean it at all. But right now, I don't care. Because we are focusing on something else. And I, like I said, I don't mean to be rude at all. I wish right now that my heel be healed because... I'm assuming I'll walk around in Sydney, but my heel is hurting. I wish uh, certain other parts of my body would be healed. But right now, that is not the most important thing. Right now, there is this important thing that needs to be done. And that will come anyways, because I have the mercy of his presence, and I will seek him for my healing. But that's not where the focus is on right now. This, we won't need to sit for a class on healing for this. We won't need to sit on how to do we do this. It's going to be on two simple principles. Either speak healing or lay hands and heal. That's it. And it doesn't matter whether it's Isaiah or Tate. It doesn't matter whether it's Gisela or Annette. Just thought I'll call out your name since you walked in. <laughs> yeah, you were trying to sneak in and I ruined it. It doesn't matter whether it's Gisela or Annette. Anybody and everybody doesn't matter whether you've been a believer for two months or 20 years. Anybody and everybody will find a strange thing happening. Where by the Spirit of God, as you lay hands on people, people will start getting healed. The proof is in the pudding. And it ain't my pudding, so I'm not worried. The Lord will give us room in this land by pouring out his mercy through us who are seated here. His dominant way of pouring out mercy in this land through you will be through physical healing. Start moving around. Eh? As soon as we leave, we'll dig up a few more wells here. We'll pray a little more. And when we go out, my God, if anyone even complains of a little bit of sickness or disease, jump into it. And without any fancy stuff, eh? your clumsy words will work. Your stinky hands will work. <coughs> Any questions before we go on? Room will be created for us. You know, in Hebrews 4.16, and I know he, you know all the, uh, the, the Hebrews 4.16, as, as soon as I start saying it, it says, approach the throne of grace with confidence so that you may receive mercy and find grace in time of need. Change that scripture and use it for the sake of others. Begin to think like this, that, oh God, here's what God is saying. I'm, I'm commanding you. I'm commanding you. Not even inviting you. I'm commanding you because the prototype days are over. While the prototype was being built, it was like, do come. I invite you. Now God is saying, now that you've reached where you've reached, I'm not going to waste time on invitations. I'm just going to command. So I'm commanding you to approach the throne of grace, not for mercy for yourself. Approach the throne of grace so that you can seek mercy for them. To help them in their time of need. 
Come to the throne of grace, not for yourself. You are merci- you're full of mercy. You're, you're overflowing with mercy. You got it on your heads. Now approach me. I command you to draw from the throne of grace the mercy that they need in their time of need because they are the ones who require help. Someone did it for me, which is why I am where I am today. Even if you don't believe in healing, just obey. For the sake of someone else. Meaning, let's assume you're not convinced that healing is actually God's will for you. That's fine. But at least believe this other part. Believers shall go lay hands on the sick and the sick shall recover. You can deal with yourself later. Let's still be a benefit to others while we are struggling with our own thinking. Obedience is much simpler than thinking. Any questions? Okay. Guys, as central as faith is for healing, the other scriptural approach to healing, which uh, we've never talked about in this church, is the mercy of God. As central as faith is for healing, the other scriptural approach for healing is the mercy of God. I'll prove it. I can't believe that I've missed it for all these years. Because it, it's not like it replaces faith, it complements faith. If you go to Psalm 6-2, it says, Be merciful to me, O God, heal me. Psalm 6, verse 2, Be merciful to me, O God. Be merciful to me and heal me. So yes, faith is central to healing, but besides faith, there is another scriptural approach that always works when it comes to sickness, and that is appealing to the mercy of God, approaching the mercy of God. The same cry that David had in Psalm 6-2 where he says, Oh God, be merciful and heal me. The same cry is taken up in the New Testament and with astounding results. Eh? You look at Matthew chapter 15. Matthew chapter 15, and there is a Syrophoenician woman who has a daughter who is demonized. And look at her cry, son of David, have mercy on me. And he stops and he has this dialogue with her. And he says, at this very hour, your daughter will be healed. Matthew 15, he walks down a little more and now he's in Matthew 17. And in Matthew 17, uh, uh, there is uh, an epileptic boy. And his father is crying out to Jesus saying, Son of David, your disciples were not able to cast this demon out. Son of David, have mercy on my son. And Jesus asks him, so what's wrong with your son? And he says, my son gets these uh, epileptic fits and he begins to fall into fire and water. And Jesus heals him. You go down a few more chapters and you come to Matthew 20. And there are two blind men. And they are sitting there while the crowd is passing by. And look at their cry. Son of David, have mercy on me. And he turns to them and says, what do you want? And they say, we want to see. And he begins to touch their eyes and their eyes come back to normal. He says, let it be done to you according to your faith. Mark chapter 5, verse 20. He's just got off the boat and he's now in a place called Gadarenes. And there is a demoniac who's cutting himself crazy. And he heals him. And as he's leaving, the demoniac says, let me come with you. Let me follow you. And he says, nope, go back to your city. And then look at what he says. Go back to your city and tell them what I've done. And tell them the mercy that God has shown you in setting you free. 
You move on to Luke chapter 1 verse 58. And there is Elizabeth who had grown old and was beyond having children. And suddenly John the Baptist begins to kick within her womb. And here is what happens when people come to talk to her. She says, aha, God has shown me mercy and has taken away my barrenness. You go down further in Luke chapter 17 and you come across 10 lepers. And here's what the 10 lepers are crying. Son of David, have mercy on us. Master Jesus, have mercy on us. And he turns to them and say, it is my will that you be clean. Be clean now. You go on to the epistles and you see Paul. And Paul is now talking about a guy called Epaphroditus who was close to death. And he writes saying, Epaphroditus in Philippians, he's writing to the Philippi church. He was close to death. And God in his mercy healed him. This idea of mercy and healing is very, very old. But we've been so stuck with faith that sometimes it becomes difficult. You know what? When faith fails, mercy kicks in like crazy, man. When faith fails, God's mercy compensates like crazy. Because faith can so be about how much you have. And usually you come short. Or there's always someone who has more than you. Set your eyes on mercy so that the mighty deeds of God in terms of healing can break out through you. Set your eyes on mercy so that God's mighty deeds of healing can break forth through us. Eh? Set your eyes on mercy. Meaning when you go around now, man, it is so cool that we'll be going so many different places tomorrow. Warrington, gym and other stuff, school, a um, whole lot of stuff, bank, airport, SFU, that place you go to, <laughs> the things you do, Sue, banks, those things you do. All I'm trying to say is tomorrow morning we will get so many places to go to. And in all those places we will now have an opportunity to find out people who are sick and just say, hey, can I just pray with you and just pray with them and then that is all you've got to do. God is going to create room for us in this land because for some reason he has decided that I'm going to use all of you regardless of what place you are at in life to begin to heal the people of Vancouver physically. When I say physical healing, it includes emotional problems, mental problems, um, everything but uh, getting saved. And hopefully when they get healed, they'll also get saved. I'm talking about real healing, huh? not, not this, oh, God heals spiritually, not physically, not that stuff. And so please begin to Take advantage of this. Anything that moves that has a sickness. And why are you doing this? Because God commanded you to do so. Why are you doing this? Because he wants to show mercy. Why are you doing this? Because he wants to create room for us in this land. Why are you doing this? Because you love doing what God loves doing. Why are you doing this? Because Jesus said do it. Why are you doing this? Why are you doing this? Oh, okay. Sorry. <laughs> yeah, set your eyes on mercy so that his mighty deeds of healing 
can break forth through us. Isaiah used to call the healings of God the mighty deeds of Yahweh. The mighty deeds of Yahweh. And so this whole idea of set your eyes on mercy so that the mighty deeds of Yahweh in healing can break forth through us. When you go to Habakkuk chapter 3 verse 2, Habakkuk chapter 3 verse 2, hey, just imagine all those people who called out, son of David have mercy, yeah? And just imagine every time that happened, he would turn and show mercy. But what if they don't know? Then what happens? Then you've got to show. And when you show, people will hear. One lady uh, in Bahrain, um, she came for prayer. She just had this surgery uh, of the stomach area, which was very painful. And she was in a lot of pain when she came. Not a believer. She's sitting there in one of the meetings uh, four weeks ago and uh, went and prophesied on her. And prophesied something like, a creative miracle will happen in the area of your stomach. God will remove what needs to be removed and he will put what he needs to be uh, placed in your stomach. Uh, this morning, she just uh, texted the legend, the leader there saying she's pregnant. So I didn't know a creative miracle was uh, pregnancy, but here is someone who... I mean, wh what I'm trying to say is you don't need to understand what you necessarily are praying for you're just praying for healing let god do the rest don't complicate this because there are very simple instructions just go do this your clumsy words will work habakkuk chapter 3 verse 2 again old timers will know this song uh, lord i have heard of your fame I stand in awe of your deeds. O oh Lord, renew them in our day. In our time, make them known. And in the Old Testament, you had to say, instead of wrath, remember mercy. But today we say, uh, uh, no, in the Old Testament says, in wrath, remember mercy. Today we can change that. Eh? We can say, instead of wrath, you remember mercy. Instead of wrath, you remember mercy. In, in, in Habakkuk, it was in wrath, remember mercy. Because that's how Israel saw Yahweh. But we don't see Yahweh that way. We see him through Christ. And we know that in wrath, remember mercy has to be replaced by instead of wrath, you remember. Why do you remember? Because every time we take part in communion, we remember. Instead of wrath, there is mercy. And that's what's being said in Habakkuk chapter 3 verse 2. Oh Lord, I have heard of your fame. Man, people have heard of this stuff, man. Oh, healing happened here, healing. When was the last time a city saw it? Or at least this city saw it. Uh, who are you that God should choose you and I to be the privileged, uh, to be privileged to disperse uh, 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 an excellent quality that he has, which is the healing of bodies. How do we qualify, man? Lord, make known on your... Uh, so, Lord, I have heard of your fame. I stand in awe of your deeds, O Lord. And it's almost like this guy saying, I've heard of this. I've read it in the Gospels. I've heard stories. I've read books. I've read Smith Wigglesworth. I've read this revival. I've read that revival. I've heard about Roland Tan and I've heard about Alan, this thing. But, oh God, renew them in our time and in our day. And in this case, we're not even needing to pray it because he's the one who's prompting it and provoking it and commanding it. 
What kind of God is this? Instead of praying for it, he's delivering it. Saying, go. Go do Habakkuk 3.2. Make known on earth your awesome mercy. So my prayer is, oh God, because you're saying this through us, make known on earth your awesome mercy in divine healings. Make known your awesome mercy in divine healings. Make known your awesome mercy in divine healings. That's our prayer. Make known your awesome mercy in divine healings. Like in the Gospels, renew mercy healings in our day. Renew mercy healings in our day. Renew mercy healings in our day. Not because someone had faith. Not because my words were right. Not because the mechanisms of healing were put down properly. Not because I knew what to rebuke and what demon to cast out. Not because of anything else but the sheer mercy of God. That takes away that which is rotten and replaces it with life. That cares for the every, like, like, like that song, So Will I says, eight, I see your heart eight billion different ways. This is a merciful God. He's always been merciful. And the greater the lawlessness, the greater the grace and mercy. Being commanded to do it. We're not even being asked to pray. I'm praying, oh God, renew your mercy healings. They don't know the son of David, guys. They only know the son of Dr. James and Dr. Brown and Dr. Jacob. That's all the sons they know. They don't know the son of David. But we will show them through God displaying his mercy in divine healings. I still remember... Kumba getting healed. Uh, for those of you who uh, don't know, Kumba is not a person, it was a dog. Um, and it was Ann and Kamal's dog. And it had a tumor. And they took it in for surgery. And we had prayed for it the night before. And uh, took it in for surgery, and they put the dog through the scan, and the tumor disappeared. And Ann is running around with this 80-kilo um, dog in her arms, jumping around, saying, my dog is healed, my dog is healed. Right? Did I add any masala to it? No. It was exactly as it happened. Anything that moves. Oh God, renew mercy healings in our day and bring it to pass in this land through us. Bring it to pass in this land through us. Bring it to pass in this land through us. Must be through us. Gosh, man, he's saying he wants to do it through us. We don't even need to pray for this. Just don't let the hunger disappear. And create a habit. Guys, create a habit. Create a habit. Create a habit. A habit is created by repeated practice. A habit is created by repeated practice. As you begin to create a habit, fear goes. As you begin to create a habit, language improves. As in, you will know how to say what you need to say when you create a habit. The first time you say something, it sounds awkward. Yeah, yeah. And as you do, fear will go. And as you do, you will know how to approach. I, I still shudder when I have to ask for a Caesar salad. But if I created a habit, it would be, become easier. But, but the point is that create a habit. Create a habit. In 2007, 
uh, a South African pastor called Keith Abrahams, um, who, sorry? <laughs> oh, yeah, <laughs> Bambello, man, Bambello. Bambello basically means hold on to Jesus, right? Bambele means hold on. And Bambele, Jesu Bambele is hold on to Jesus. Those of you who came uh, five or ten minutes late, you missed out on uh, um, Bishop leading this amazing song called Bambele Kajusu. Yeah. And uh, uh, just want to uh, compliment Evan on his dancing. <laughs> I didn't know white men could dance. So, that's pretty good, man. <laughs> oh, yeah. Sorry, you're Punjabi. I forgot. <laughs> yeah. Uh, guys, uh, Keith Abraham, um, in 2007, he uh, said about Acts 29. He did not know me. He did not know Acts 29. Someone from Acts 29 was at an all-night worship conference, and this man was conducting it and he was prophesying and suddenly he says and he's never been to Acts 20 and doesn't know and he says Acts 29 um, you're a church where there are wells of healing present so dig up the well of healings present in your midst dig up the wells of healings present in your midst this was in 2007 I met him after that and he didn't even remember that he had said it became quite friendly with him but when he said it he did not know us and he said in this church are wells of healing so one of the things I want us to do is dig up those wells of healings. How do you dig up a well of healing? Uh, with simple faith and obedience. Those are the implements you use to dig up anything that God has buried. Anything that God places in your life are unearthed, are dug up through faith and obedience. Faith as in, I believe what you say and I trust that you want us to do this. Obedience as in, we will do whatever it takes. Between this, you dig up any well that is hidden in your life. In Genesis 26, 22, we heard about this well called Rehoboth, which means I will give you room in the land. In Genesis 26, 32, it says, and then Abraham came across a well and he dug it and he found water and he called that well Beersheba, which means the well of oath or promise. God has promised this to Acts 29. He promised this long ago. We've tried to go around this for many, many years, have not had any success, but the time is now and everything is set in place. You have no idea how excited I actually am inside. It is because of the fact that we, as a people, don't get very excited that I'm trying to calm myself down. <laughs> That's why I liked what Bishop was doing up here. So we'll dig the wells of healing. So how are we going to do this? Uh, we're going to sing a very simple song which says, Fear doesn't live in here anymore. Uh, and as we sing that song, I just want us as a people to just believe one simple thing, that God desires this for us. That before Acts 29 was formed, one year after it actually was formed, someone who does not know us, did not know we exist, does not know me, said, in this church are wells of healing. And so we're going back 12 years, and we are saying as a people now, Spring up, O wells. Spring up, O wells. It says, the nobles came with their scepters and they dug up the wells. And then it says, and it said, spring up, O wells. Remember that song? Spring up, O wells within my soul? It's actually, let me take you there. Uh, spring up, O wells. Um, can someone find that scripture? 
It's in Numbers or Exodus, I'm not sure. Spring up a well. Sorry? Numbers 21? 1-7. Numbers 21, 17. Okay. Ah, they go to the same well, man, that we are talking about. They go to Beersheba, the well of the oath. The same well that I just was talking to you about. Numbers 21, 16. They went to Beersheba, the well of the oath, where God said to... Oh, this is from the message. Let me get an IV or something. Um... From where they continued on to Beer, the well where the Lord said to Moses, Gather the people together and I will give them water. Then Israel sang this song, Spring up, O well, sing about it. About that well that the princes dug, that the nobles of the people sang, the nobles with, the, uh, the nobles with scepters and staff. Then they went from the wilderness to Mat- Matana. So here's what we're doing. We as princes and nobles in this church, for once you are royalty, We'll use our scepters and our staff, which is our authority and our desire to shepherd people outside. We'll use our scepters and staff as we sing this song to say to God, Oh God, I believe that you said there were wells of healing in this church. You said that almost when we were formed. Today, the time has come and we open that ancient door. We don't open that ancient door because we are thirsty. We open that ancient door because there is a world that is thirsty. And we will now pour out buckets of salvation with joy. Isaiah 12. I will pour out buckets of salvation with joy. That is what we're going to sing. Hey, join, guys. Join. Be part of this. Hey, be part not of what Jacob is doing. Be part not of what Acts 29 is doing. Be part of what God is doing amongst the people. Yeah? We are, we are partnering with God, not with Jacob and Acts 29. Yeah? yeah? So let's just sing that. And as you do in your own way, between the song, declare your intent as one of a people. Yeah? Not just as an individual, as one amongst a people. For the sake of this nation. For the room he'll give us in this land. Meditate. Jesus, we're opening an ancient door. We're opening an ancient door. Lift up your gates. Lift up your ancient doors. For the king of glory now comes in. But he comes in to go out. He comes in to go out through a people. So that nations, so that this land may see the mercy of God in numerous healings. All to your glory, O God, so that you may bring more that are not in your flock into your flock, O God. For the sake of the nations, we open an ancient door. Fear doesn't live here no more. Fear doesn't live here no more. Your name was spoken. Your love brought healing to me. One more time. Fear doesn't live here no more. Fear doesn't live here no more. When your name was spoken, your name brought healing to them. Your name, Jesus. Your name, Jesus. Jesus, your name. Your name brings healing to me. 
Shame doesn't live here no more. Shame doesn't live. Shame doesn't live here no more. Guys, we are praying for this land, eh? So as you pray fear and shame, you're saying this land will be rid of it. This land will be rid of it. And his name will bring healing to them. Shame doesn't live here no more. Shame doesn't live here no more. Your name was spoken. Your love brought healing to them. Your name, Jesus. Your name, Jesus. Your name, Jesus. Jesus, your name. Your bring brings healing to them. Your name brings healing to them. One more time, Jesus. Your name, Jesus. Your name, Jesus. Jesus, your name. Your name brings healing to them. Condemnation. Condemnation no more, sin lost control, I am set free. By your glory and grace, you broke every chain, I am set free. Your name, Jesus. Your name, Jesus. Your name, Jesus. Jesus, your name, your name brings healing to them. One last time, fear doesn't live here anymore. Fear doesn't live here no more. Fear doesn't live here no more. Your name was spoken. Your name brought healing to them. So, Father, we dig the well up as nobles and princes that you have appointed in we now dig this well up before acts 29 existed you said i will give this church a well of healing we come with our buckets and our ropes and as it says in isaiah 12 we will draw out from this well of healing water that can spring up and can touch the lives of people in this land so that the fear will be destroyed sickness will be undone oh god we will obey, O oh God. We will obey. Your name, Jesus. Your name, Jesus. Jesus, your name. Your name brings healing to them. One more time. Your name, Jesus, your name, Jesus, Jesus, your name, your name brings healing to them. We thank you, Abba. We thank you. We thank you for what you're doing, Spirit of God. We thank you in Jesus' name. Be seated, guys. As we partake in communion, guys, um, look at it as um, Jesus breaking bread, giving it to us, and then we saying, okay, we obey your commands and we're going forth. This is not...
let me put it this way. This is um, not a communion we eat and sit down. Uh, this is like when it happened in Exodus where God said, gird your loins, get ready. Uh, tonight um, I will undo the works of Egypt. I will undo the works of bondage. Eat this and get ready to leave. It's that kind of a communion I want us to partake in. It is a go forth kind of a communion, not a remember and sit kind of a communion. It is a stand up, eat and go forth kind of a communion. Yeah? And so I want to read out Matthew 10, 8, uh, two or three times over us. And it says, uh, Jesus in Matthew 10, 8 says, I send you out. But we now say, I send you out in Jesus Christ's name. That's what I would say. He said, I send you out. As you go, proclaim this message. The kingdom of heaven has come near. Heal the sick. Raise the dead. Cleanse those who have leprosy. Drive out demons. Freely you have received. Freely give. One more time. As you go, proclaim this message. The kingdom of heaven has come near. Heal the sick. Raise the dead. Cleanse those who have leprosy. Drive out demons. Freely you have received. Freely give. One more time. I send you out, Jesus said. As you go, proclaim this message. The kingdom of heaven has come near. Heal the sick. Raise the dead. Cleanse those who have leprosy. Drive out demons. Freely you have received. Freely give. And I assure you, I prophesy that in the days ahead, you will find numerous opportunities to be a conduit for the mercy of God in healing to someone who is sick. I prophesy that you will find numerous opportunities to be a conduit for the mercy of God in healing to someone who is sick. You cannot heal the itch on a person's nose. It is all God. But you become a conduit because he commands it. He commands it. We don't need to pray for this. We just need to be obedient. Yeah? So let's partake. So on the night he was betrayed, Jesus took bread. Okay. said, this is my body which is broken for you. Went on the cross and we go with the three words that you said on the cross before you died. You said, it is finished. It is finished. And we thank you for all that you've done for us to now go forth and be distributors of your mercy in divine healing in this land. We remind you of Habakkuk 3.2. Oh God, we have heard of your fame. We stand in awe of your deeds. Renew them, O God, in our time, in our days. Instead of wrath, you now remember mercy. May divine healings break out because of your mercy. Make us distributors of the bread of life that we break it and give it forth so that people may be healed in this land. Thank you for this marvelous privilege. In Jesus' name, amen.
you command us to go, you send us forth. And we go and we eat the town. manner after supper he took the cup he gave thanks and he said this is my blood with which I'm going to write a new agreement but understand Acts 29 that I didn't write a new agreement just with you I wrote a new agreement with all of mankind and here is my new agreement with mankind I will not remember your sins anymore and I will not leave you nor forsake you as you turn to me price for your sins has been paid. So we thank you, Jesus, as we <coughs> exalt you, O Christ, son of David, who has mercy. We exalt you. We lift our cups to you. We exalt your magnificent Christ, merciful Christ. We receive mercy, but someone had to die for it, and you died for it. We remember that. and me and uh, Derek and so he sends us two by two Take no bag or bread with you. Cleanse the leper, raise the dead. For the mercy of the Lord now lives in you. One more time. So he sends us two by two. Take no bag of bread with you. Cleanse a leper, raise the dead. For the glory of the Lord now lives in you. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be. Your name, your kingdom, your kingdom has come, your will be done on Next verse. Next verse. Sent to show the works of God. Sent to show the Father's love. The same
are healed and demons flee for the mercy of the Lord now lives in me one more time sent to show the works of God sent to show the Father's love sick are healed and demons flee for the mercy of the Lord now lives in me our Father who art in heaven hallowed be your name and your kingdom your kingdom has come, your will be done on earth. One last time, our Father. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be your name and your kingdom. Your kingdom has come, your will be done on earth. And your kingdom, your kingdom has come, your will be done. And your kingdom, your kingdom has come. Your will be done. Hey, can I have two or three people in the congregation pray out uh, loudly for what we need to do? Not this week, for the many weeks ahead of us. Just two or three. Let's limit it at three. Just pray out loudly eh, so that you don't have to come up. 